Good afternoon. Happy Sabbath. Yeah, nice, nice, nice to be with you again. Uh, those plants are so pretty. I wanted to get them a little bit away from me, so I didn't touch them or hurt them while I'm up here talking. Um, I would like to have a prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing, and then we'll um, get into our subject. Okay, let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we can come here in your house upon thy day to worship. We are praying that through Christ and the Holy Spirit's presence that we will be sanctified, uplifted, and prepared for the work that is before us, for the times that are before us, and for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to be with you in the eternal kingdom. We are praying earnestly that you'll help us and that you'll forgive us where we have backslidden, been lukewarm, proud, or misled. Please forgive us where we have been unrepentant. Help us to repent thoroughly of any and every sin and to love you with all of our hearts. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So what, what I'd like to do uh, with you today is take a look at the subject of the Holy Spirit. Um, in the scripture reading that we read, uh, that was read just now, um, in the book of Revelation, you have in symbolism the movement of the angel holding back the four winds till the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads. And that angel ascends from the east. In other words, he has a message. He comes from the divine direction of the east, and he ascends like the sun rising, And which means that this message, uh, the Sabbath message and the kindred messages are going to go with increasing power. So what I'd like to look at with you today is the subject of the Holy Spirit. I have maybe about, I don't know, uh, maybe 75 Ellen White quotes. Obviously, we won't get to all those. I'd like to refer to a number of them, and I'd like to refer to a few ideas. But what I would like to look at today is the subject of the Holy Spirit, the subject of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain, and how uh, we are to receive the Holy Spirit and what we can do to cooperate with him. Okay? So what I want to do here is... um, Maybe uh, just think with you a little bit on Revelation 18, and then I'm going to read some uh, quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy first on the latter rain, and then we are going to take a look at how uh, the latter rain is to be received. Obviously, the Lord's been waiting for quite a long time uh, to pour out the Holy Spirit upon his church. I do believe the thing is on foot now, but in order for us to have Christ's power, we must cooperate with Christ, and as inspiration would say, we must have an intelligent faith, okay? Um, now, in Revelation chapter 18, you have an angel that's pictured uh, who comes along with the three angels' messages and really accelerates the message at the end of time, okay? And uh, John says there in Revelation 18, he says, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit in the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, 
and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, verse 4, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. So the re- angel of Revelation 18, which depicts the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain, he comes down with great power. He gives a warning to the world of the demonic presence and influence in the fallen churches of Babylon. And he says to God's people in heart, true people in heart, he's saying, come out of Babylon, come out of these fallen churches, um, that you be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. Brothers and sisters, sometimes may God help us just to think like where we are at in time. It's awesome where we are at. We are looking at the most magnitude events that have ever occurred uh, in the history of this world, in the history of the universe. Um, the latter rain will be poured out, um, and uh, the great controversy is now in its final stage. So we really need help. Okay, it's very awesome. Very awesome. So what I want to do here is read just a few statements about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then, what, and then look with you at some of the practical um, things about receiving the Spirit of God and so forth. Here's a statement from the book uh, Evangelism, and it says this, So abundantly will the renewing Spirit of God have crowned with success. So abundantly will the renewing Spirit of God have crowned with success the intensely active agencies. It says that the light of present truth will be seen flashing everywhere. Isn't that exciting? I think that's exciting. You know, I talked to a man just a few days ago, and he got on to talking about this COVID thing, and he said, you know what? He said, I pretty much, because he's sick of being deceived. Let's face it, brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot of deception going on in this world. And I believe unless you're guided by the Spirit of God, you will be deluded. It doesn't matter if you sit in, uh, in an SDA pew. That does not guarantee that you're not deluded. We've got to have a connection with Christ. But the man was saying he was so sick of being deluded, he said, I've pretty much come to the point I don't believe anything or anybody anymore. He said, but I do believe in the Bible. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, you need to be careful, though, that you don't throw out truth with falsehood. (laughs) And we had a real nice visit. And um, I was able to uh, share some some of the message with him. Uh, People out there are looking. You know, I just want to mention something here. And just to give you an illustration, some of you have probably been to the Amish church here in Ohio. But one of the members there in the Amish church has recently put together a brochure that you can pass out with a phone number on it. And there's about 150 lectures in here by Doug Batchelor, Joe Cruz, uh, Chad Cruiser, Barbara O'Neill. You can pick any subject you want, any lecture you want under health, devotional subjects, the mark of the beast, whatever you want. You can... Uh, pass it out to people so the the uh west salem mission has given me some of those brochures and um in the last few weeks they said that the the number of call-in minutes has just absolutely spiked up uh, they just started it and the call-in minutes so far for may was over four thousand minutes of people calling in and listening people are interested they're looking for information i stopped at a house this week and a man was helping his son get a mower going, and I could tell he was really busy, and I walked up to him. I like to greet people real cheerfully, and, and one of the things I like to do when I walk up to them is say, hey, how's the working man? Uh, you know, because you ask him a question, it's kind of a compliment. And he says, oh, he says, I'm so busy, he said, I'm trying to keep up with the crowd. I said, well, you better get ahead of the crowd. <laughs> but anyway, I knew the man was in such a hurry. We talked there a little bit. I gave him a great controversy. I gave him this little brochure, 
I explained it to him briefly. He said, it was meant you stop here. He said, I will read that book, Great Controversy. Isn't that good? So, but anyway, you know, God is looking for people who will cooperate with him. And that means everybody in the church. Everybody in the church. You have a work to do that only God, uh, or, or rather only you can do with uh, God's help, and God definitely needs you. But it says, so abundantly will the renewing spirit of God have crowned with success the intensely active agencies that the light of present truth will be seen flashing everywhere. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Let me read you a few other statements, and then I want to get into some practical things about receiving the Holy Spirit. Great Controversy 611, it says, The angel who unites in the proclamation of the third angel's message, which we, which we just referred to, Revelation 18, the angel who unites in the proclamation of the third angel's message is to lighten the whole earth with his glory, a work of worldwide extent and unwanted power. U-N-W-O-N-T-E-D. Unwanted power is here foretold. Unwanted means unprecedented. The Advent Movement of 1840 to 44 was a glorious manifestation of the power of God. The first angel's message was carried to every missionary station in the world. And in some countries, there was the greatest religious interest which has been witnessed in any land since the Reformation of the 6th century. But these are to be exceeded by the mighty movement under the last warning of the third angel. thrilling great controversy 612 servants of god with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven by thousands of voices all over the earth the warning will be given miracles will be wrought the sick will be healed and signs and wonders will follow the believers satan also works with lying wonders even bringing down fire from heaven in the sight of men Thus, the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. The message will not be so much carried by argument as by the deep conviction of the Spirit of God. Now listen. The arguments have been presented. The seed has been sown, and now it will spring up and bear fruit. The publications distributed by missionary workers have exerted their influence, yet many whose minds were impressed have been prevented from fully comprehending the truth or from yielding obedience. Now the rays of light penetrate everywhere. The truth is seen in its clearness, and the honest children of God sever the bands which have held them. Family connections, church relations are powerless to stay them now. Truth is more precious than all besides, notwithstanding the agencies combined against the truth, a large Number, take their stand on the Lord's side. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's just really wonderful. And, you know, we're told, too, uh, there will be a fair number of us brought before courts of justice to testify for our faith. And because of that, the light will shine even more uh, because of, of those uh, places of hearing. So I'll read one or two more on just on the latter rain, kind of give a, a picture here of what the Lord has predicted. Of course, we could spend all kinds of time uh, even in the Bible on this subject. Uh, this is Christ's Object Lessons, page 121. I'd like to read just a little bit from that. 
Now, this statement is referring to the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost in the time of the disciples, and it's comparing it to what will occur at the end of time. It says, The glad tidings of a risen Savior were carried to the uttermost bounds of the inhabited world. And that was without technology. And the printing press as we know it now. The church beheld converts flocking to her from all directions. Believers were reconverted, sinners united with Christians in seeking the pearl of great price. For time, I'm not going to read all this. By the way, if anybody wants just these quotes, you can give me your email after church and I'll send you a copy. Okay? So if anybody wants a copy of any of these quotes, I'll give them to you. Listen to this. One interest prevailed, one subject swallowed up every other. All hearts beat in harmony. Isn't that nice? They all beat in harmony. Brothers and sisters, we need to love each other more. Let's love each other more. Let me just tell you this. The devil has a very accurate knowledge of you. And he has a very accurate knowledge of the person who sits on the pew next to you. And if he can, he will try and cause division. Let's be aware of it. I'm not saying sacrifice truth or don't stand for truth. I'm just saying the devil is trying. I said enough. One interest will prevail. One object will swallow up every other's. All hearts beat in harmony. The only ambition of the believers was to reveal the likeness of Christ's character and to labor for the enlargement of his kingdom. The Spirit of Christ, that's in capital letters, meaning the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ animated the whole congregation, for they had found the pearl of great price. They had found it. They had found Christ. They possessed Christ, and they were moved by the Spirit of God. Then, now listen to this. These scenes are to be repeated and with greater power. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the former rain, but the latter rain will be more abundant. Now, I want to talk to you about a few practical things about the Holy Spirit and then get more into some of the spiritual things, okay? Um, when we think of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we think of, um, mainly in the spiritual vein, which is fine, okay? But I want to read to you a statement here from the book Christ's Object Lessons and the comment. It's quotes from the Bible, and then it comments on this quote from the Bible, Okay? This is Christ's Object Lessons, page 349. Quoting now from the Bible, Exodus 31. And here's what it says. See, God is talking. See, God says, I have called by name, okay, Bezalel, that was a man, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, So God says, I've called this man. 
And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given with him a whole Liab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they make may make all that I have commanded thee. Now listen, I want to read this here because I want you to see the touch that God wants us to wants us to understand that he wants to have even on our practical life. Not only our worship at church, our devotions at home, but in our everyday round of duties in our practical life. Listen to this. God desires that his workers in every line shall look to him as the giver of all they possess. All right inventions and improvements have their source in him who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Now listen. The skillful touch of the physician's hand, his power over nerve and muscle, His knowledge of the delicate organism of the body is the wisdom of divine power to be used in behalf of the suffering. The skill with which the carpenter uses the hammer, the strength with which the blacksmith makes the anvil ring, comes from God. God has entrusted men with talents, and he expects them to look to him for counsel. Whatever we do in whatever department of the work we are placed, he desires to control our minds that we may do perfect work. Religion and business are not two separate things. They are one Bible religion is to be interwoven with all we do or say. Divine and human agencies are to combine in temporal as well as in spiritual achievements. Do you think God cares that you're washing dishes? Sure he does. They are to be united in all human pursuits, in mechanical and agricultural labors, in mercantile and scientific enterprises. There must be cooperation in everything embraced in Christian activity. Isn't that good to think? Jesus cares, and he will help with everything, okay? Now, I want to get into some things about receiving the Holy Spirit, but first I want to just talk to you about the Holy Spirit just a little bit, okay? I don't think this church has any issue with it, and I don't know if you do or not, anybody here, but let me just say this very clearly, that it is very, very, very plain in the Bible that there are three distinct and eternally pre-existent persons to the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And don't be misled by the label that God has given to Christ as being his Son that is not in merely human terms. That just shows their relationship, etc. Look, 
I'm not going to spend much time on this, but here's the fact of the matter. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. I'm now quoting from inspiration. Okay? Who would come with no modified energy but in the fullness of divine power. All right? And so we can go on and on with that, but we don't have time today because I want to get into a few other things here. All right? Um, The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Okay? He brings comfort. I would urge you as you read Old Testament, New Testament, Ellen White, wherever, you will be amazed at how many times the Spirit of God is talked about and mentioned. Okay? Now, I'm going to, don't laugh. I'm sure you wouldn't, but maybe you would. Anyway, I'm going to try to explain to you how intelligent God is. Yeah, I figured you would. But anyway, I'm going to try. Let me explain this to you as I can, as a human being. Okay? Our God is so magnificent. Okay, number one, I believe, based on inspiration, that there are an infinite number of subjects. Okay? All right? In fact, if you want to see proof for that, look up 1SM, page 156, and it says this, Christ had an infinite number of subjects from which he could draw. In other words, he knew he could look down a line infinitely long, and at every segment on that line, he could pick a subject, and there's no end to that line. Does that blow your mind? But did you know that on that line of subjects, one of the segments, one of the subjects is the subject of the Holy Spirit, and that was Christ's favorite subject. Okay? Now, I have a proposition for you. Um, I'm not high-bound on trying to prove it per se, but my proposition to you is that in every one of those infinite subjects, there's an infinite amount of information. Okay? I'm just thinking now. All right? Now, here's my other proposition for you. And you've got to agree with this, even though I can't prove it from inspiration. You've got to agree with this. Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. You've got to think for yourself first. My other proposition to you is that there are not an infinite number of created beings in the universe. Are you following me? You would eventually get them all counted. Okay? All right. There are not. That, doesn't that make sense? Yeah, okay. Now, here's my proposition to you. We know that there is an infinite number of subjects that Christ could draw from. We know that there are not an infinite number of created beings in the universe, but if there were an, if there were an infinite number of created beings in the universe and they were all studying simultaneously for eternity, they would never exhaust any subject that they were assigned to. Isn't that amazing? Our God is so great. You know, we are told in heaven that our, our, not only will our happiness continue to increase, but our reverence will continue to increase. Now, here's a few things about the um, Holy Spirit that I want to look at. 
When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it's verses 16 and 17, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, Know ye not that your body, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Hmm? What is a temple? Isn't a temple a sacred place where God and man and human beings meet? Is not a temple a sacredly designated place where the divine presence is to be manifested and where God and man come together in unity? Isn't that right? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And that the Holy Ghost dwell within you? Then he, Paul goes on to say, if any man defile the temple of God, what? Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Something like that. Okay? I want to ask you something. Would you continue coming to a church where the janitor left trash bags in the sanctuary and didn't ever clean them up? Hmm? I'm not trying to be foolish. I'm simply trying to make a point. Okay? Brothers and sisters, let me share something with you. One of the reasons why God has given us a health message for these last days is because he wants us to reach a very high plateau of physical health because this actually impacts our spiritual life and it affects to what depth the Spirit of God can reside in the soul temple. Here's a statement from the book Desire of Ages, page 277. It says, when Christ was not personally with them and they failed to discern the comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit, then it would be more fitting for them to fast. So when Christ was not with them and they did not sense the Holy Spirit, then then it says it would be more fitting for them to fast. Did you know that when you fast, the body actually accelerates the detoxification process? internally and helps pull in it if you fast even for 18 hours 24 hours 30 hours that that fasting time actually enables the body to clean out a layer of toxins which is not only going to make your health better but it's going to make your spiritually more make you more spiritually in tune to the holy spirit okay by the way, I have a little handout. It's a very short paper on fasting, and another on the other side is on um, eating. I have copies of that. If anybody wants it, you can. Um, I'll pass them out at the end of church. Now, here's another statement. This is about the type of diet that people were eating at camp meeting. This is found from the fifth volume of the testimonies. I'm only going to read a little bit of this statement. It's found on page 162. By the way, if anybody wants copies of these, give me your email when church is over. Listen to this. I have been shown that some of our camp meetings are far from being what the Lord designed they should be. The people come unprepared for the visitation of God's 
Holy Spirit. Okay? So she's telling you what context she's speaking. And now she says this. Uh, There's much time spent in needless cooking in the preparation of rich pies and cakes and other articles of food that do positive, positive injury to those who partake of them. Okay? In other words, she's saying if you eat in a diet that's high in fat, high in sugar, uh, you're going in re- it's going to pull you in reverse spiritually. That's what she's saying. Okay? So, now listen. <clears throat> She says these articles of food do a positive injury to those who partake of them. Should our sisters provide good bread and some other healthful kinds of food, both they and their families would be better prepared to appreciate the words of life. Now listen, listen. I'm going to sum it up here. She is saying if you eat a more healthy diet. Now listen. They and their families would be better prepared to appreciate the words of life and far more susceptible you know what susceptible means you're in a posture to be influenced helped by and far more susceptible to the influence of the holy spirit that's why in the seventh Adventist church we take our stand against drugs okay alcohol tobacco caffeine Mm-hmm. No. <clears throat> if you have any of those addictions, uh, Christ can give you power to overcome them, brothers and sisters, but we've got to overcome them. This is a, a, a matter here of, of real importance. Councils on Diets and Foods, page uh, 32 and 33, the health reform I was shown as part of the third angel's message. God's people are not prepared for the loud cry of the third angel. Um. They have a work to do for themselves, which they should not leave for God to do for them. Gluttony is the prevailing sin of this age. In order to be fitted for translation, the people of God must know themselves. The refreshing power of God comes only on those who are prepared, have prepared themselves for it by doing the work which God bids them, namely cleansing themselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and fear of God. So between Paul and Ellen White, it's very clear that... um, the health, uh, the way we take care of our health, definitely affects the presence of the Spirit of God in the life. Okay? Um, I have quite a few quotes here. By the way, brothers and sisters, ministers especially should not be eating meat. Though the Bible allows for eating the eating of clean meats, it does say to get rid of the blood. And uh, the fat, that's biblical. But I'm convinced that if Christ was here on the earth now in our time, he would not eat meat because of the disease in the animal world. Did you know, realize that your liability of getting disease is 10 times greater when you eat meat? Mm -hmm. I'm quoting now from inspiration. So anyway, these are some good, uh, good quotes and good ideas. All right. Now, um, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, we looked at some practical things. The Holy Spirit will help us with practical life. The Holy Spirit is is more invited, more invited into our soul. The better our health is. Okay. Um, I have a 
uh, I was going to say a proposition for you, but I'm not going to get to that point here for the moment. Here, I just want to look at some of the things here on how to receive the Holy Spirit. Here's one. This is from Christ's Object Lessons, page 67. If we keep our minds stayed upon Christ, he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. So it says if we will keep our minds stayed on Christ, stayed on Christ. How do you keep your mind stayed on Christ? There's lots of things we've got to do in a day. How do you keep your mind stayed on Christ? That is, we are to reach out for him as much as we can. You know, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit has inspired the Bible. Do you want to have a closer fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Read the Bible. And if you want to have a closer fellowship with the Holy Spirit than that, reread the Bible. And if you want to have a closer fellowship with the Holy Spirit than that, reread and reread and reread and memorize from the Bible. This will bring you into more close contact and proximity to the Spirit of God. You know, recently I've, I've thought I have not done much in the Old Testament on memorizing. So recently I thought, well, I'm going to memorize a few short chapters from Psalms. So I went through and memorized six short chapters. Chapter 1, 2, 15, 23, 91, and 126. They're not very long chapters, but they're wonderful chapters. So now that I have them memorized each morning, I will go over each one three times because I do not want to forget them. Psalms 91. I would encourage you at least to memorize Psalms 91. Read it every day for a month or two. And if you don't have it memorized by then, then start working on memorizing it. But that is a powerful chapter. Isn't that wonderful? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand. It's tremendous. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. I'm skipping down now through the song. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou under, trample under feet. Because he has, God says there, he says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. What better food for the mind can you get than that? Huh? Isn't that tremendous? We're going to need, we're going to need uh, promises like that. But it says in, it says, if we keep our minds stayed upon Christ, he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. Now, there is uh, a statement here. I also want to read this. I'm just kind of tossing out to you a variety of thoughts here today. There are some subjects <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit especially honors. So in our study and in our teaching, if we would dwell upon these subjects, we are actually inviting more decidedly the presence of the Spirit of God into our study and into our teaching and our time together in fellowship. Okay? Now I'm going to read you one of them, then I'm going to read from Ellen White, and then I'm going to quote to you from Paul here in a moment. This is Evangelism, page 224. As the great pillars of our faith have been presented... As the great pillars of our faith, that is the major doctrines that God has given the Seventh-day Adventist people, as the great pillars of our faith have been presented, the Holy Spirit has borne witness to them, and especially is this so regarding the truths of the sanctuary question. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit has in a marked manner endorsed 
the preaching of this doctrine. Excuse me. You want to invite the Spirit of God? (coughs) Excuse me. Study the sanctuary message. (coughs) You know why? (coughs) Hand that to me, please. Thank you so much. Because one of the reasons why, you'll read in Great Controversy 488, she says, (coughs) listen, listen now about the sanctuary. She says, Satan hates the great truths that bring to view an all-powerful mediator. Do you realize that in heaven is an almighty God, our Savior, who became man? He shed his blood for us, and because of that, he has now conquered the powers of darkness. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I've set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. In other words, you can come to me in faith and I will hear your prayers and I will give you the help that you need. Satan hates the great truths that bring to view an, all, an, an atoning sacrifice and an all-powerful mediator. Now, one of the things that I would like you to observe, and I'm just going to throw this out for your thinking as you study and read. When you read the Bible and also when you read the Spirit of Prophecy, Here's something that you're going to see, two ideas that you're going to see often in connection with one another, okay? And that is the preaching of the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You'll see it multiple times in the Bible and in the spirit of prophecy. Watch for it, okay? One example of that is when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay? Then he goes on to say, and he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of, and of power that your faith should not stand the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the Holy Spirit wants us to see Christ crucified for us. Are you battling with circumstances? Look to Christ and him crucified. Are you loaded with guilt? Look to Christ and him crucified. Are you battling with temptation? Look to Christ and him crucified. Are you devalued in your own eyes? Look to Christ and him crucified. That's amazing. The universe is never going to stop wondering and awing over the fact that Christ died for a fallen world. You'll see a statement in the book, Christ's Object Lesson. She says the entire universe is looking at this world because Christ paid an infinite price for the souls of its inhabitants. The Holy Spirit wants us to behold, as John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is our hope. When you go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Paul talks about Christ dying on the cross, and he says when Christ died on the cross, he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. In other words, when Christ died on the cross, he gained the victory over the powers of darkness. 
He put them in their corner. And his death on the cross is our promise that we too can conquer Satan in this world. Okay? I'm going to read a couple quotes, and I think I'll be done. I, there's no way to uh, finish, so we'll look at a couple things, and then we'll wrap it up here. We talked a little bit in Sabbath school, and I'd like to mention this point, too, um, about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But one thing, let me just share this with you. and It's hard to say so many things in a little bit of time, but let me just share with this with you. The Holy Spirit is a gift In fact, I'm going to revert here to Galatians chapter 3 just for a second. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Then he goes on to say, and listen to his next statement in Galatians 3. He says, this only, this only, what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, church family, what's the answer to Paul's question? Do you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by what? By the hearing of faith. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a gift. He is a gift. And when he, and I could give you statements, which I don't have time now in the pulpit, but I could show you right from the Spirit of Prophecy and even in the Bible how when we receive, receive the Spirit of God, we are receiving the righteousness of Christ. It's a gift, and when he comes resident in the soul, he gives power to obey. Now, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul says this. He says, he says, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Do you know what the word mortify means? What does that mean? Yeah. What's well, a mortician? He takes care of the dead, right? He takes care of the dead. So if you mortify something, you put it to what? Death. Now listen to what Paul says. He says, if ye through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, in other words, you put to death the deeds of the body, that is the flesh. If ye through the Spirit do this, if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Okay. In other words, here's another one of those statements and inspiration where Paul is talking about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Um. I wanted to find a statement here. Yep, I'm going to read this one. If Satan seeks to divert the mind to low and sensual things, bring it back again and place it on eternal things. And when the Lord sees the determined effort to made to retain only pure thoughts, now watch and listen. So Satan's trying to pull us down to, to low evil things, right? But when God sees the determined effort on our part to retain only pure thoughts, he will attract the mind like the magnet and enable 
and purify the thoughts and enable them to cleanse themselves from every secret sin. Isn't that good? That is like so good. Our God is so wonderful. Oh, I think I've talked to you enough. I may maybe wore you out, though I could preach for another half hour quite easily. But I hope that you will retain something that you heard today. Please keep in mind the subject of the Holy Spirit. We are there. We live in an awesome time. We live in an awesome time. And so seek God with all your heart. Do your best. Don't give up. And don't be discouraged. And do all you can to witness to others. Okay. May the Lord bless you.